Um, now, uh, as we come to the moment where we're going to hear the word of God, uh, I, I really ask you that you just say, Lord, open my ears to hear what you're going to say to me. Uh, we are thrilled that this weekend was the Bloom Ladies Conference, and they had a fantastic weekend. How do I know? I crept into the balcony and was watching. And uh, I want to tell you, it was one great, great weekend. And uh, Rachel and the team, you did a fantastic job, and we thank you uh, for all that you did. And, of course... Uh, we are so thrilled that um, the main speaker for the Bloom Conference stayed over and is going to speak for us this morning. Um, you know, Amy Pigden uh, is really a um, riverite, if I can, conf- that means she really belongs to Riverside, all right? Uh, but um, Amy has uh, so blessed us uh, ever since we've known her. And uh, having been in first service, I I want you to uh, really get ready to be challenged and also to hear the word of the Lord. Amy comes from uh, London, England, and um, she'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, She talks fast and dynamically, uh, so be ready for that. Uh, Say to the one next to you, you need to have your listening ears on right now, all right? Because you are going to hear from the Lord through this woman of God. Come on, give her a huge Riverside welcome. Amy Good morning, Riverside. Was that, I've been practicing that all weekend. No, it wasn't very good. Okay, I'll stick to my... Good morning, everyone. Are you well? Jolly good. No, I don't really speak like Um, I'm so excited to be back here this morning in my favourite place in the whole of America. You guys are really starting to feel like a second home to me. I fell in love with Pura when I came here in April of last year. And like any good thing you fall in love with, you introduce those closest to you to it. And so I brought my dad along last year, and many of you met him, but this time round, I've brought the very woman who has been my backbone through so many moments in my life. She never gave up on me. She has sat in police stations and in hospital beds whilst her daughter was broken and bruised. She has rushed down the motorway at three o'clock in the morning, written letters to government lobbying for change, written a book to help other parents and family members who have to watch a loved one be destroyed through bondage to destructive things, knowing there's very little that they can do. And this morning, she has travelled across several different oceans to be here. I don't tell her I appreciate her as much as I should do so mum thank you for being here so I thought it might be helpful for you guys to get to know me a little bit more I am mum to a five-year-old bundle of energy called Isaiah he is my pride and joy he fills me with so much love and even more exhaustion I don't want to be one of those annoying parents, but I couldn't help but show you a picture of him all. Don't let that innocent smile fool you. 
Another very important part of what makes up an individual is where they come from, the places that they may have lived before and the places that they live now. Well, I grew up in London, back in the UK, and then moved to an area just outside of London about four years ago to an area called Essex. Now, I don't know what it's like in the States, but over in the UK, you can travel not too far from one area and the accent will be completely different elsewhere. In Essex, we speak English, although to some people that would be debatable. But we have our very own special language that is totally respectable and understandable to any Essex person, but to anyone else listening sometimes can sound completely ridiculous. There are certain words us Essex people use and this often slips out when speaking to outsiders, not realising they have no idea what we are talking about. If you ever visit this place called Essex, just drop the T from everything and you'll be just fine. For example, my five-year-old says all the time, Mum, Mum, can I have some water, please? But even more mind-boggling than that, did you know that in just 600 milliseconds, the human brain can think of a word, apply the rules of grammar to it, and then send it to the mouth to be spoken? Some of you are like, Amy, where is this going? I came to church to hear some gospel. I promise we'll get there really soon. Just hold on a little bit longer. I don't know about you, but sometimes that 600 milliseconds just isn't enough time to stop a thought from leaving your mouth that you only realise isn't necessarily appropriate once it leaves your mouth. And then before you know it, you've already said it and you just want the ground to open up and swallow you inside. Well, I say all this to say when Pastor John, a dear friend and inspiration to me and the Riverside team as a whole, asked me if I would speak this Sunday, I had to literally pinch myself. Because you see, last year, in between the two services, I was very overwhelmed by what God was and still is doing in Riverside. And as I was sat in the room out the back, waiting for the second service to begin, when Pastor John came in with a beaming smile on his face and said, Amy, I've got some fantastic news that someone in this congregation wants to pass on to you. And as Pastor John told me this news, I looked up, looked up to him with big eyes and said, shut up. My dad glared at me as if to say, Amy, did you really just tell the lead pastor at a church you're speaking at to shut up? In Essex, telling someone to shut up in that context means no way. I can't believe it. That is amazing news. So, Pastor John, thank you for not only being an awe-inspiring, humble and committed leader, but for also having a heart of forgiveness. And Riverside, if I somehow tell you to say, if I somehow tell you to shut up, sentence it's because I think what you're telling me is totally amazing and not because I'm being rude let's pray father god thank you for your word you have been preparing these words knowing that there was someone both in here today at, in person or sat at home or listening online who needed to hear what I'm about to say may you move my thoughts my feelings out of the way and may you speak through me instead nothing is in my own strength but in yours and so as we gather this morning would you move in a mighty way so that the heavens and your people would declare that you are holy and mighty and faithful amen 
As I was talking to God and asking him what I should bring to you all this morning, I felt God prompt me that he was taking me on a journey to you all. A journey to a place where men and women are being built up to be disciples of Jesus, to spread the good news, to come alongside the sick, the poor, the hungry, those in need. But a journey to a place where like every single corner on this earth, there is a crying need for Jesus in the hearts and lives of people. A journey where I'd be getting in a car to an airport for a nine-hour flight to then get back in a car to travel two to three hours to my final destination here. And as I was about to embark on this journey, both in my personal life and ministry, it made me think about the remarkable journey of a great man of God, Moses. I find the story of Moses leading the children out of captivity in Egypt, one of the most powerful stories to ever be written in the Bible, not only because it's a journey of freedom, but because through this journey to freedom, surrounded in such oppression and conflict and pain and suffering, there are so many valuable life-changing lessons we can learn. Polysemy is a word derived from the Greek language that translates into into a word or phrase having multiple meanings. And so I say lessons with an S intentionally because God wants you and I to understand that through his word there are more than one aspect to our lives that can be impacted and changed for the better as a result of one man simply saying yes to God's call. It also made me think of Pastor John and his family, a call from God to move both himself and his family across several oceans, went on to impact the lives of thousands of people, all as a result of one humble man simply saying yes to God's call. But Moses' yes to God's request wasn't until his life was shaken up a little. The call to step into a position of great responsibility didn't come until he was actually stripped down from his comfort and riches and privileges and thrust into a lonely life as a shepherd. Moses wasn't always known as a mighty man of God. In fact, he screwed up pretty badly. His mistakes and bad decisions had their repercussions and he had to flee the land he had lived and grown up in. He had to leave his people that he had watched be enslaved for so many years. Moses expected to be known as the great deliverer of Egypt, but instead he was rejected by the land as a know-it-all. Moses expected in the earlier stages of his life to lead the slaves out of Egypt in a mighty and groundbreaking way, yet instead he had to flee for his life, accused of murder, all all alone to the wilderness. Moses allowed his emotions to get the better of him, not realising a moment in which he lost it would go on to have some detrimental repercussions. If you've got a Bible with you, would you turn to Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 with me? Time passed, Moses grew up. One day he went and saw his brothers, saw all that hard labour. Then he saw an Egyptian hit a Hebrew, one of his relatives. 
He looked this way and then that, and when he realized there was no one in sight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he went out there again. Two Hebrew men were fighting. He spoke to the man who started it. Why are you hitting your neighbor? The man shot back, who do you think you are telling us what to do? Are you going to kill me the way you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses panicked. Words gotten out. People know about this. Pharaoh heard about it and tried to kill Moses, but Moses got away to the land of Midian. Everything Moses knew, everything that made up who he was, was gone. We hear lots on Moses returning back to Egypt to set the captives free as an 80-year-old man, yet we rarely hear about the journey that took place for the prior 80 years beforehand. This part of the journey is just as important and vital to the powerful ending, however, because God had to do a work on Moses before he could do a work through him. God had to strip away some of the things, make it a little more uncomfortable for him. I don't know how many of you have found yourselves at some point feeling a little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable with your surroundings, uncomfortable with your workplace, uncomfortable in your relationships, uncomfortable in your finances, uncomfortable in your self-confidence and self-worth, uncomfortable in feeling alone, uncomfortable with your body image, uncomfortable in thinking, God, is this really where you want me right now? Is this really the place you want me to stay in? I feel like you have a purpose for my life but I can't fulfill it whilst I am in this uncomfortable place hey church friends don't miss the chance to be worked on and worked through even through your uncomfortableness don't miss out on the chance to be remolded for the better in the hands of your clay master just as it tells us in Jeremiah 18 because you are too occupied or too distracted, chasing something more. Don't miss the chance to have some of your unhealthy mindset stripped down and stripped back because you are too busy wanting it to happen right now. Don't miss out on being worked through because you didn't want to stay in this place God needed you to be in order to work on you. Don't miss out on being a vessel to impact all these people around you who are crying out for freedom because you focused on what's ahead of you rather than focusing on who's in front of you right now in this moment. Imagine in this moment, in all your uncomfortableness, Jesus is looking at you right in the face saying, I'm here. I just want your presence. I just want your attention. Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of this storm, don't lose hope. Have you forgotten it's me who can silence the storm? Don't be distracted by your circumstances. Don't be like Martha, distracted by everything else surrounding her when Jesus was literally in her presence but be a Mary sat silently at his feet just dwelling in his love dwelling in the place she was called to be in that moment recognizing that all Jesus ever wanted was her time 
And so fast forward 40 years since Moses became a shepherd and God now is about to let him know it's the right time. Some of you are looking at me like, girl, if I have to wait until I'm 80 years old to fulfill my purpose. But wouldn't it be better to be 80 and ready to lead yourself, your family, your sphere of influence or an entire generation into the land he is preparing for you rather than jumping forward thinking the time's now and leading yourself, your family, a sphere of influence and maybe an entire generation as we are seeing happening in this very day backwards into the direction of captivity. God knew he had to delay Moses' timing. God knew he had to slow down the speed of which Moses wanted to work at so that he would deepen his relationship with God first before he could then lead the children of Israel to being delivered and set free. Imagine if we had a mindset instead of this job I want right now, this relationship, this marriage, this child, this house, this promotion, this calling is being delayed so that I can deepen my relationship with he who holds us in the palms of his hands and prepare myself accordingly so that I'm ready to handle the things he will be entrusting me. And so at 80 years old, Moses is told by God to return to Egypt and set his people free. A huge task at hand. And Moses probably responds in the way most of us would if we were asked to do the same. In the moment God says to him, Moses, you are a child of mine. I have called you by name. It's now time. Go. Moses says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, But why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, he is saying, God, are you sure about this? I don't think I'm good enough for the job you are wanting me to do. I mean, when I speak, it makes no sense. No one would listen to me, especially not Pharaoh. They'll laugh in my face and turn their backs on me. You know, I find it fascinating That although Moses was a mighty man of God, even though he knew God was directly talking to him, doubt was still firmly a part of his vocabulary. Not because his life was on the line, not because he risked losing everything again, not because he doubted the love God had over his people, but because he saw himself through a limited mindset and not through the eyes of a limitless God. Doubt will cause you to put a lid on yourself and limit the places God wants to use you in. Doubt is sneaky. We don't say we don't doubt God's promises, but we doubt every aspect of our own ability. We doubt our ability that we are carrying out a job well. We doubt our own ability to step into new places and new things. We doubt our ability as parents and friends and spouses and in relationships thinking, I'm just not good enough to carry out this role you have placed on my life. But if God created and designed us in his image to have life to the fullest, then we can't say that we don't doubt 
about him when he provides us with situations knowing we are strong enough to handle them and fulfill our purpose well. Moses, however, didn't hide his doubts from God or pretend that they didn't exist. In fact, he brought them directly to God himself. And in response, he heard some of the most simplest but powerful words that catapulted him into taking the next step into setting God's people free. In that 600 milliseconds, his mind thought of every negative thing he could think of about himself. And as he verbalized his thoughts, God intervened before his thoughts became a reality before his doubts were about to hammer the nail on a coffin filled with his purpose. I need to tell you, Riverside, that God doesn't qualify or call the qualified, but instead he equips the called and instead tells Moses, I will be with you. All he had to hear were these words, I will be with you, Moses. Don't be afraid. And sure enough, true to his word, God was with him every step of the way, no matter how difficult the journey became. When doubts are silenced in our own lives, we have the ability to not only impact our own lives, but impact so many others around us. When doubts are silent, Martin Luther King stood up in front of 200,000 people and said, I have a dream that violence will be replaced with peace. When doubts are silent, Mother Teresa inspired an entire generation to feed the hungry, to look after the poor, the sick, the broken, to love those that needed loving the most. When doubts are silent, Rosa Parks got on a bus one day in 1955 and as she was told to get up and move, Rosa Parks stood up and said no. When doubts are silenced, David slayed that giant that stood in front of him. When doubts are silenced, Thomas put his hands upon the hands of Jesus and said, My Lord, my God, and became one of his greatest disciples. When doubts are silenced, Abraham and Sarah welcomed a baby into their lives at an age they never thought would happen. When doubts are silenced, Moses... A broken man, a man who made so many mistakes, led an entire nation from slavery and into the promised land. When your doubts are silenced, God will use you in ways you never even thought are possible. Stop letting your doubts distract you from your destiny and instead start doubting your doubts. You can imagine the scene, the children of Israel have been held captive for over 400 years. They were brutally beaten, tortured and treated appallingly. Any hope or faith they had in walking free had been crushed. So much so that when Moses came and told them what the Lord has said, Moses says in Exodus chapter 6 that they refused to listen to him. Verse 10. Then God said to Moses, go and speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he will release the Israelites from his land. 
Moses answered God, look, the Israelites won't even listen to me. How do you expect Pharaoh to, and besides, I stutter? The first thing we can learn from Moses is that God will use us when we least expect it, in places in our lives when we feel the weakest, and use people and places and experience we least expect, experiences perhaps we would rather avoid, but nonetheless are still a key part of our own journeys also. And so through a series of signs and miracles and wonders whereby the Red Sea was parted and the Egyptian army was drowned so that they did not capture and kill the Israelites, the children of Israel were set free. Being set free, however, meant being taken on a journey. A journey that wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. This journey was a tough one. It was strenuous. There were many times when they would have wanted to give up. These people who had once been slaves that had been set free and were following Moses' lead to enter a place filled with the promises of God. But those promises on this particular journey still seemed so far away. This journey through the wilderness, through the desert land, should have only taken an average of 11 days. Yet we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1 that the journey into the promised land actually took a total of 40 years. 40 years, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I'm no mathematician, but I can't quite quite work out why there is such a huge difference. 11 days and 40 years. My family take the mickey out of me because I'm terrible with directions and I'm a part of a generation that uses sat-navs on our phones to get absolutely everywhere and will never know which part of the country I'm in unless Siri tells me so. But even I, with all my geographical knowledge, wouldn't have taken 40 years to reach a destination that should have only taken 11 days. But then it dawned on me all of a sudden and I felt God say, Amy, but I told you to forgive that person two years ago. I told you to guard your heart and walk away from that unhealthy situation, not serving you a purpose months ago. I told you to put on your spiritual armor and be in my word every single day so that when difficult situations come your way, you are grounded in who I say you are and not what the world tells you you are. I told you that the first come last and the last come first. So why then has the faces of the homeless, the sick and the poor become somewhat immune to your everyday activity? just five minutes out of your day to tell them about my love for them would have made such a difference. But instead, you chose to spend those five minutes on Facebook, on people watching, 
on shopping, on watching others wishing you could have what they have. So the next time you wonder why there is such a difference between 11 days and 40 years, remind yourself that the real difference is that between a deliverance and freedom. Yes, the Israelites were delivered from their captivity. Their physical shackles had been broken. They are what we would class as physically free, but their mentality remained as though they were still in slavery. It actually says that God knew he had to take them on a certain journey because the shorter route would have such challenging conditions that they would not want to give up. That they would want to give up. Exodus 13 verse 17 says, It so happens that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route. For God thought, if the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. So God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around to the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt in military formation. God knew that they would want to run back to Egypt, run back to the past, run back to the place that caused them harm in the first place. And it made me think, how many times do we prevent ourselves from moving into what's best for our lives only because the journey to get there just seems so overwhelming and daunting and where we are at currently is just all too familiar. And this is where God is trying to teach both you and I what I believe are life-changing lessons if you allow it to enter into your heart. There is often a difficult journey that needs to be embarked on to get where we need to be in accordance to his plan over our lives. But the journey is key to stripping away old mindsets and rebuilding new strengths. There is actually beauty in the journey. So often we don't reach the destination of the journey we have been placed on because we become familiar and complacent with where we are currently at. Knowing that we cannot grab a hold of the promises of God in our lives in this place, but the journey ahead is tough and so we find ourselves just settling. God highlights the danger of settling prematurely more than once in his word and we read about it much earlier on in the Bible in Genesis through a man called Terah. This is what it tells us in Genesis chapter eleven thirty-one. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah sets out for the promised land alongside his family and son Abram. Terah had every intention of entering into Canaan, the promised land where he knew the fullness of God's blessings existed. He had every intention of possessing those promises of God in full, but somewhere along the line ended up stopping and settling in a place much earlier on. He settled in a place that he hadn't originally intended in staying. 
because it was easier than continuing and battling his way through some tough times. Terror, without even realising he had done so, settled for second best. What's the saddest part of this story, though, is that Terah lived for 215 years and then died in Haran, never even experiencing the fullness of God's promises in the promised land. And I believe that this is a word for someone in here today. Stop settling for second best. Stop pitching your tent and staying far too long in situations that you were never meant to settle in. We all have our own personal harans, whether that's a physical location or a mental state of mind. Either way, the journey is tough and we are tempted to quit and give up and throw in the towel right where we are. Maybe you found yourself in the same place for a few weeks or a few years, but today is a little big nudge from God to say, pick up your tents. Pick up your family, pick up your life, pick up your broken hearts, your shattered dreams and keep it moving. God doesn't want you to settle before it's too soon. The journey is and will be tough, but you'll get there. Why? Because those who wait on the Lord will not grow weary or grow faint, but will renew their strength and run and soar on wings like eagles. Don't settle in Haran, but keep pushing on towards the promised land. And so the children of Israel have been set free from slavery in Egypt and they are taking a 40-year journey that should have only taken 11 days. In 40 years, a lot can happen. In one year or five years, a lot can happen. And it's so easy for us to blame delays on our journey, on other people and circumstances out of our hands. But sometimes, whether that journey will take 11 days or 40 years, sometimes, more often than not, can be down to you. Maybe you're not just quite there yet. Because God is continuing to work on your mindsets. The children of Israel were set free from Egypt, but Egypt still lived in them. They were set free from slavery, but still had a slave-like mentality. Eventually, the children of Israel did enter the promised land, but only after a whole generation dies in the process because it took them so long to get there stuck in their stubborn ways. It's very easy for us as humans to believe that God's promises are only available to us if we act a certain way, look a certain way, hold a certain position in life. Maybe we believe that we're not quite there yet or maybe we believe we'll never see these promises and they just feel like empty words. Promises in the human realm are funny things. They are contracts that we make between one another verbally that we break all of the time. Some promises are easier to stick to than others. Some promises come with a condition. 
I listened to a sermon of a well-known preacher in the States the other day who went on to say that she once dated someone who thought she was absolutely amazing, told her she had so many great qualities. He told her he could see them together in the future and promised her he would fall in love with her if only she just lost two dress sizes in weight, a conditional promise. Promises we tell our children, but we may not always mean. Santa won't come unless you're well behaved. How many of us have used that line at least once unless you're like me and use it every hour in the lead up to Christmas? And if you've got little ones in here today, you may want to cover their ears as I tell this next story. Because when I was just five years old, I came home from school one day and I overheard some kids in the playground talking about how Father Christmas didn't exist. I couldn't believe my ears and so I did what any five-year-old does. And as I got home, I approached my dad and said, Dad, we need to talk. I was about to interrogate him. We sat face to face across the dining room table and I said, Dad, tell me the truth. Does Father Christmas really exist? And he said, yeah, of course he does, Amy. Weighing up the repercussions if he told me otherwise. And I thought for a moment, but then it didn't really sit right with me and I had a light bulb moment. And I said, Dad, no, Father Christmas can't exist. And he said, why not? I said, because we live in a ground floor flat, we have no chimney pipe, and I saw you eating all of the mince pies last night. In that moment, in my little five-year-old mind, I was devastated. I was so annoyed that this promise that I had believed to be true, all of a sudden came to an end like that. Man-made promises, man-made truths will always change. They will rearrange. Some may come to an end and some may have never even existed in the, in the way that you once believed them to be true. But I need to tell you that the promises of God over your life will never expire. They have no expiry dates. I need to tell you this morning that you don't need to wait 40 years to receive the promises of God over your life. The promise to be by your side and never leave you or forsake you will never expire. The promise that he has plans to prosper you and never to harm you will never expire. The promise that he has picked you out and created you as a masterpiece for his very own plans that you are are fearfully and wonderfully and perfectly made will never expire the promises over your life that he will lead you out of the darkness and into the promised land will never expire the promise that he will restore the years the locusts have eaten and taken from your life will never expire 
The promise that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you will never expire. The promise that you will run and not grow weary and rise up on wings like eagles will never expire. He says, I have called you by name and you are mine. I'll give you strength through your weaknesses. I'll give you confidence through your doubts, clarity through your confusion. I'll give you peace through your loss, love through your pain and a testimony through your trials. You just need to allow he who possesses these promises to renew your mind and leave the wilderness behind. Because then and only then will you experience a freedom, a living, tangible, breathing freedom that no deliverance can compare to. You may be in the desert right now, in the wilderness, wondering when this journey is ever going to end. A journey into God's promises you didn't think would take this long. And here you are years later still facing some of the same battles over and over again. Maybe like Moses, you just doubt everything about yourself and continuously question whether you are good enough or fit enough to carry out the job. Maybe like terror, you have pitched your tent in Haran just waiting to die. Maybe you are like the Israelites and have been delivered from bondage but still walk with a slave-like mentality. I am damaged. I am broken. My dad was an angry man, so now I am an angry man. My mum didn't show me much love, so now I don't know how to accept love. I come from a family of poverty, and now I don't believe I'll ever be financially stable. I was told I am stupid and worthless and ugly and fat, and so I walk around with my head down, believing these lies, and I believe that I came all the way from this place in England where we tell people to shut up and drink their water that God doesn't want you to just be delivered but to be free and to be walking and living and breathing in the fullness of his promises available to both you and to me the promise that he loves you unconditionally The promise that he will never leave you or forsake you. The promise that he came to give you life and freedom and joy and peace and provision and protection and restoration is already present, already available, already a given. And so the third point I'll leave you with this morning is that God wants you to grab a hold of these promises he has over your life. And whether you take 11 days to walk the journey you're on or 40 years, those promises will never expire. Those promises will never fail you and those promises will never change. As I come to a finish this morning I hope it's okay with you guys but a few months ago God laid it on my heart to bring something over to Peoria 
You see, last year I found myself in quite an unexpected dark place where doubt entered into my heart. Something triggered me that happened in my past and as this doubt entered into my life, it grew and grew and grew and grew. And in the middle of this dark cloud, when I was ready to throw it all in, out of my gut came this rage at God. I shared it at the Bloom Conference yesterday, but I really feel like this is a word for someone in here today. That God will meet you in your doubts. God will meet you in your dark place. God will answer you if you cry out to him, even in all your anger, even in your despair and your frustration. God will meet you. So I'm going to share it with you guys. Is that okay? but my voice seems to bounce off these four walls like a drum's beat that's stuck on repeat. I can't hear you. When I look to the skies for answers of the unknown, all I see in the clouds is the word doubt spelt out. I can't see you. When as a child I experienced the real life definition of abuse in ways that no human being should ever come to understand, where were you? When his closed fist made contact with my face and I crouched on my knees begging you to save me, why didn't you save me? Where Oh, you. If you created love as the innate makeup of our souls, then why can humans twist and remold that word easy as child's play doh? Some of the stories I've heard are sick and absurd. So much so I'll replace that word love with evil for want of a better word. Why does money and power rule over the minds of man? It keeps me awake at night wondering when you'll reveal your greater plan. Something bigger than this. Something greater than the air I breathe. We wait for you, but in the waiting there's a child that dies every minute of this day. How do I tell a grieving mother that all she needs to do is pray? Where are you? 
You say you hold me in the palms of your hands, but when I look at mine, all they are doing is collecting my mother's tears. There are so many of them, I can't hold them any longer. Where are you? Where are you? Here I am. In answer to your question, though not all questions have answers, so let me give you something that's better than an answer, more detailed than an explanation from me to you with a timeless warranty. Here's the truth. Here I am. You say when you look for me, all you see in the clouds is the word doubt spelt out. But why have you concluded that doubting me means you are disqualified from my love? Remember Gideon who doubted me over and over again. Doubt may delay your calling, but I'll pursue you till the end. Here I am. You say You can't hear me, but how can you when my voice is mixed in with the opinions of others? Make room for me and you'll realise I've been speaking all along like a mother sings over her newborn baby. Please, will you listen to my song, a song of love, a song of grace, a song of freedom, a song of hope. Here I Ham, look at the palms of your hands. If you look close enough, you'll notice that it's not just your mother's tears that you've been collecting in the same way a broken clock can't tell the time or damaged records won't pause, fast forward or rewind. It is impossible for her pain to be separated from mine here. I am, here I am in the broken hearts, the shattered bombs, the war-torn lands. Do you not think I weep at the devastation into my nail-pierced hands? I'm in the sickness and disease, rejection and pain. I'm in the addiction and the feelings of sadness and shame, the prodigal child who I long to come home, the homeless on the street, no family or friends, I hold them at night, they're never alone, I'm in the financial loss, the relationship breakdown, the marriage you long for, the children you hope for, the barren womb, but wait... It is finished. It is finished because there's an empty tomb. I came so that you may have life, so that darkness will tremble and evil will fall. The light will shine bright and the truth will stand tall. Here I am. So have hope, my child, that there's a plan to your pain because nothing is lost without something to gain. Remember the blind men who couldn't even see my face, yet their faith 
walked before them in front of their doubts and their fears and their pride. The faith in their hearts stood over the ability of their sight. Here I am. For I provide refuge for the broken and comfort for the lost. I love you so much. My boy died on that cross. Here I am. And as you find rest in my shadows and stay close to my side, know that I watch you sleep at night with a father's greatest pride. And as the sun comes down and uprises the moon, I'll watch you with a smile on my face. And as the sun comes down and uprises the moon, I'll watch you with a smile on my face. Because today's the day you start to bloom. Praise God. So this morning... God has been speaking to you and many of the things that Amy has said has just challenged your heart. You know, you can't leave here the same as when you walked in. As God speaks to you, as he challenges you, as he shows you his way, as he assures you, yeah, I am, I am with you, I'll never leave you. Even though you have your doubts and your fears and your anxieties and your sicknesses and your pains, I will never, ever leave you. I am here. God wants you to know that and he wants you to grip that and he wants you to leave here in the truth that he is with you. And so this morning, as you've heard God speak through Amy, there's something inside of you that says, I've got to respond to this. I've got, I've got to respond to this. I've got to come to him and say, I don't want to live the rest of my days without you. I don't want to walk out of this place or into my future without knowing that you are with me. And so before we leave this morning, before we sing our final song, I, I want you, if you know God has spoke to you, you say, God, I, I'm responding to your word. You've spoken deep into my heart. And God, I, I want to give you everything that I've got. I want you to walk with me into the future. Then please stand right now. I want to pray for you, if that's you. Just stand where you are. And I'll pray with you. Yeah, God bless you. Great. That's right. Lots of people getting up. That's right. Yeah, I'm waiting because I, I think there's someone else that God is speaking to. And you've been fighting with your doubts and your fears and your anxieties and even thinking... Even as Amy spoke, can this be true for me? And the word of the Lord is, it can be true for you. Just respond to him now and say, I need you desperately. I can't walk without you. 
and just stand to your feet and give it all to him. Yeah, God bless you. Now as you stand before him and we're all bowing in prayer with you and for you. If there's any known sin in your life, confess it to him right now and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this thing has got between you and me. You to forgive me. Jesus, I'm sorry that there's been created a distance between you and me. I want you to close the gap. Please come walk with me into my future. And Father, I pray for everyone that's on their feet right now that they will know that they are loved and that you have destiny stamped on their lives and that you're going to walk with them from this place and that they start in a brand new day a brand new journey and a journey of freedom. The Lord God, you're going to guide their steps and you're going to speak into their hearts and minds and show them the direction that you want them to go. And Lord, as they stand before you right now, in their hearts they're saying, give me a heart of obedience to do your will on earth as it's done in heaven. And I pray that you will give them power. Holy Spirit, will you fill them with your power. That they will know that it's not by their might or by their power. It's by your Spirit that comes into them. I pray, O God, that you will fill them with the Holy Spirit. And that they will know, O God, that there is a power operating within them that's greater than their own and that they are now being helped by the supernatural power of God. Father, will you hear my cry and bless these who are on their feet. I ask it in the name of Jesus. You may be seated and will say amen. Amen. Now, for those of you who are on your feet, it may be that you are feeling, well, I could do with some personal prayer. We have a prayer team here. I don't know how many of the prayer team are here, but if you are here, if you could come and stand at the front as we um, just now sing our final song. And if you're in need of prayer, then please come up to anyone who's standing at the front and they will gladly pray with you and, um, and uh, speak words of encouragement into your heart and into your mind. So please, as they come forward and as we sing our final song, then please, you feel free to come and receive prayer this morning that will help you as you start out on this new journey of faith on this new journey, knowing that He is with you. Let's all stand, and we're going to sing. If you need prayer, make your way forward.